Life is hard. Life is hard. It is full of surprises and setbacks. It is full of disappointments and difficulties. And maybe you have noticed just when you think you have a handle on it, usually the handle breaks off. Uh, My dad at the end of his life, uh, he had congestive heart failure. He had a pacemaker put in. He had diabetes. He had bone cancer. That was the worst part of it. At the end, uh, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And those days, all of that stuff, those days were tough days. And he had a shirt that somebody had given to him, and he liked to wear it when he was in the hospital. And the shirt said in great big letters, stick around, it gets worse. (laughs) Sometimes life feels like that old hee-haw song, pain, despair, and agony on me. Life is hard. And I want to tell you, some of you are finding that out. Uh, Some of you have known that. Some of you are walking through things right now, and life is hard. Hard. Well, tonight I want to tell you, on the third night of our revival, I am so pleased and I am so glad to be able to tell you the promise of God is you can lift up your head, you can take hope, and you can trust for believers the best is still ahead. Listen, that is the good news. I'm excited to tell you that. That is the promise of God For believers, the best is still ahead. Wherever you are in, whatever mess, the best is still ahead. Wherever you've been, the best is still ahead. However great something may have been in the past, and you look back and say, that was great. Listen, the best is still ahead. No matter your circumstance tonight, the best is still ahead. Tonight we are seeking a revival. That's the point of these 30 days, these 30 evenings. We are seeking a revival. We have talked about we are seeking a personal revival. We're not seeking a revival in somebody else. That would be awesome. Uh, God will bless us in that. But we are seeking a revival, first off, in ourselves, in our own hearts. We are seeking a personal revival. Well, I want to tell you, that will be for many of us when we get peace where we've been without peace. And that will be when we get hope where we've been without hope. And that'll be when we get joy, when maybe it's been a long time since we've had true joy. And when we are confident that for believers, the best is still ahead. I want to tell you, a cloud's going to lift off when we understand that. Now, there's going to be peace that we didn't have when we begin to understand it. For believers, the best is still ahead. I'm going to do something tonight that's weird, and I'll just apologize up front, but I want us to resolutely and confidently say that out loud tonight. The best is still ahead. I'm going to ask you to join me in that. The best is still ahead. Let's do that one more time. The best is still ahead. Tonight our message is entitled, Praise the Lord, The Best is Ahead. Tonight we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, moving along, verses 3, 4, and 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, tonight verses 3, 4, and 5. Praise the Lord, the best is ahead. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in the third verse, God's Word says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to 
a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Powerful verses, awesome verses. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight and we praise you. We come tonight and we worship you. We come tonight and we exalt you. What an honor and high privilege to be able to come as the church on a Monday night, on a busy night, and sing and shout and preach and raise up and hear the praises to Jesus. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity. I pray now that you would speak, and I pray it would be tremendous. I, I pray it wouldn't be the fashioning of a man, wouldn't be the filter of a man, but it would be the word of God. And I pray the word of God would resound in our hearts and in our mind, ring in our ears. And I pray we'd be impacted tonight. I pray we'd be encouraged tonight, that we'll be changed tonight. Lord, I pray for some that will hear that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of good news, the only good news, that this very night would be the night of their salvation. Remove any hindrance to that, Lord. And then we just come and tell you, Lord, we're thankful that your word speaks. We're thankful that you're going to tell us, speak to us, talk to us through your word tonight. I pray we're ready to hear. I pray we're attentive and we're ready to put it into practice, to walk it out in faith. And I pray that it bears much fruit for the glory of our Savior, Jesus. We love you and we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, once again, we begin. It is the Apostle Peter who is writing the letter. We saw that yesterday morning. It is the Apostle Peter writing the letter. It is his perspective that we hold. Now, that's an awesome thing. That is a tremendous thing, but we are gaining the perspective of the Apostle Peter. Now, we know at this point he has suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. We need to remember that. Uh, he has been imprisoned. He's been placed in jail. He has been beaten uh, for the cause of Christ. Not far off from this event, he will be executed also for the cause of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we learned yesterday morning he is writing to scattered Jewish believers who are also suffering greatly. And not only this, we know from history that as the political opposition rises, grows toward them, even greater suffering is coming. And so he's writing to some folks that are suffering also for the cause of Jesus Christ, but he's also writing to these that even greater suffering is coming. These are hard days. Now I want you to see this in this letter already. The goal of Christianity, the goal of walking with Christ is not escaping hard days. Sometimes we think that, well, I've trusted Christ and I, I'm doing all these things for Christ and I ought not be in these hard days. Sometimes we think that's the goal of following Christ, escaping hard days. Well, I want to tell you, if somebody has told you that, that is what following Christ is, then you and them are going to be in for a shock. Now, the goal is not escaping hard days. They do exist. They are coming. That is the reality of walking with Christ. 
However, the goal is holding up and honoring the anchor for those hard days, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that, that is the goal. Now, here's the question tonight. How is that possible? And I don't, I don't know what suffering you're in. I don't know if you've been in great suffering. Perhaps you have. I don't know if you've been with somebody as they've suffered greatly. But the question is, how is that possible? Is it possible to endure hard, gut-wrenching, discouraging times and still honor Christ in those days? Now, if that is possible, how is that possible? Well, we're going to see in our verses tonight. So let's go to our verses. Verse 3 starts off, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. We're moving into the letter. Here's how it starts off. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to watch this. I want you to see this. The word blessed in the Greek translates, listen, worthy of praise. That's what it means, blessed, worthy of praise. And so Peter says here, worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says, worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's what I want you to see. This is a huge thing. In deep suffering, Peter starts off right off the bat, right off front, Praising God. And that's, that's tremendous. Right off the bat, in deep suffering, he starts off thanking God, praising God, exalting God. Now we're going to see he praises God for who he is. He praises God for what he has done. And he praises God for what we have in him. That's what we're going to see tonight, also in some following sermons. He praises God for that. But I don't want you to miss this up front, right up front. I want you to see this. The answer for hurt, the answer for pain, the answer for suffering, the answer for discouragement is to praise God. That's the formula. The answer for, for discouragement and suffering in life the remedy, the answer is to praise God, to remember who he is, to remember what he's done, to remember what we have in him. Now, let me make you a promise tonight, and you can take it to the bank. Let me make you a promise tonight. If you will do that, and I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what's happening in your life, I don't care how terrible it is, and it may be terrible, but I'm gonna promise you this. If you will start to remember who God is and you'll start to think about his power, you'll start to think about him as the creator, you start to think about him as the sustainer, if you start to think about him as our savior God, if you think about what he's done in the person of Jesus, if you think about what we have in him, redemption, the forgiveness of our sin, let me tell you something. I promise you this, you'll be encouraged. I promise you that. You'll be strengthened. You'll be uplifted. Friends, I want you to be sure of this tonight. There is joy in praising God. You know why Satan wants us to keep away from services where we're going to praise God? 
You know why he wants to keep us away from people who have an attitude and a heart of praising God? It's because there is joy in praising God. You can't truly look at him. You can't truly marvel at him. You can't thank him and not be overcome in joy. I promise you that. It may be small at the start. It may be a building thing. But if you'll put your eyes on him, if you'll think about him, if you will worship him, you will become overcome in joy. Times are hard. Guess what? God is faithful. Times are tough. Guess what? God is trustworthy. I'm not sure I can endure this anymore. The pain is too deep. Listen, God has made a way. Oh, my sin, the shame and the guilt of it, it's too much. Jesus is the answer. We have a Savior for sinners. Listen to me. There is joy in praising God. Now, I want you to notice here in that verse, the centerpiece of the verse is this, our Lord Jesus Christ. And right smack in the, in the verse, that's what it says, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me tell you some good news here. The rest of this verse is really the gospel of Jesus Christ spelled out. I used to think about, well, now tell me a verse where I could find the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, Romans 5, 8. Uh, the more I look, there's more and more verses like that. But the rest of this verse is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ spelled out, laid out for us. It says this, who according to his great mercy, who according to his great mercy, and that's a meaningful word, why do we need mercy? The reason we need mercy is the truth of the gospel. Each of us, all of us have sinned. In our sin, we are guilty. In our sin, we are condemned. And so listen to me, we need mercy. Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now when we place our faith in Jesus, in God's grace and in God's power, in the work of the Holy Spirit, we are born again. That is the testimony of Scripture. We are made new. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have given to us in the grace and power of God spiritual life. It says here, we are born again to a living hope. Now I want you to see this. The word hope, we have a living hope. The word hope means expectation or confidence. That's what it translates. Expectation or confidence. And so we have a living expectation. We have a living surety. That's the, the depth of it. We have a living surety. Now the, the rest of the verse says, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now I said verse 3 is going to tell us the gospel. See the picture here. God is rich in mercy. God sees our plight. We need mercy. He sends his son, Jesus. He dies for sin. If he's going to be resurrected, he dies. He dies for sin, paying the payment for sin, but he doesn't stay dead. He pays for sin, and he defeats death and is resurrected from the dead. By faith in him, we are born again. Listen, this is the gospel marched out. By faith in him, we are born again into a living expectation. 
born again into a living hope. See this tonight. All other hopes are dying. All other hopes are dying. If you have the hope of wealth, you may pull it off. You may get it. It is a dying hope. If you have a hope in health that never fades, I want to tell you, it is a dying hope. If you have a hope in some position you might secure, some reputation you might hold, it is a dying hope. All other hope is a dying hope. But our expectation, what we can expect, our confidence, what we can trust, our hope is a living hope. Here's the question. Why? Why? What is the difference? It is this. It is because of this. Listen to me. It is because our Savior is a living Savior. Praise the Lord. It is because our Savior is a living Savior. Now, follow with me tonight. If Jesus is alive, and friend, he surely is, if Jesus is alive, then sin is paid for. If Jesus is alive, then atonement has been made. If Jesus is alive, God's prophecies have held, and his word holds true. If Jesus is alive, then life is available for sinners. If Jesus is alive, then sin is defeated. If Jesus is alive, then Jesus is the victor. And our hope and our trust and our confidence is in Jesus. Our hope is alive because our Savior is alive. Wow, what good news. Wow, what good news. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms. We have a risen living Savior, and so we have a living hope. Let that sink in for a second. Let that sink in for a second tonight. It is tough. Yeah, it is. Man, it is hard. Life is hard sometimes. Yes, it is. But even so, believer, Jesus is alive. Wow, that's just one verse. Two more to go. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 now tells us what that expectation, what that surety includes. Verse 4 tells us what we are confidently expecting as followers of Jesus Christ. We are born into a living hope. All right, let me read verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Let me read that again. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, our translation, the translation I use, New American Standard Version, it says, born again to obtain an inheritance. They go back to the original manuscripts. That's the translation they think is best. To obtain an inheritance. Actually obtain, if you go back to the original language, if you go back to the Greek, obtain is actually not there. It says we are born to a living hope to an inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. We are born to 
and inheritance. Now, let me tell you what I believe that means. I'm going to tell you why I think that's significant. I believe that means that we are not obtaining these things. Now, I know what they're trying to say there. We are not, listen to me as Christians, we're not in the business, the process, the position of obtaining these things. We are already in these things. That's what it means. We haven't realized them yet, but we have them now. And let me give you a picture of this. If I were to give you a gift and you have it, it's Christmas, it's your birthday, I give you a gift, it's boxed up, it is wrapped, you have it, you hold it, I've given it to you, you possess it, it is your gift, but you haven't opened it yet. It is unopened as of yet. Well, God here encouraging us tells us what is in the gift that's to be opened. And that's as plain as I can make this. We have a gift and we hold it. We're not obtaining it. We have it by faith in Jesus Christ. But God is encouraging us. And so he tells us, hey, here is what is in the gift you haven't opened. Here's what's in the gift. An inheritance. An inheritance. Now, right here, start to picture these people. Man, they're suffering. And their families have, have deserted them. And some of their friends have abandoned them. And things they thought they would never lose, some of those things they've lost. And it is hard. And they wonder, I don't know how, how it got to this place. And I didn't know it was going to be like this. And, and, and then here comes the word of God, the apostle. And he says this. You have an inheritance. It translates, inheritance translates, property to be received by the heir. You've received the inheritance. It hasn't been opened yet. Property to be received by the heir. This is property. This is substance. It is something to be transferred, to be passed down, to be given to and heir. Now, to these suffering people, God through Peter tells them some things about this inheritance. You have an inheritance. And then he says, you know what? To encourage you, I'm going to tell you some things about this inheritance. I want you to picture their ears as they hear these things. Let me stop right here. I want to, I want to, I want to do something before we go there. <laughs> Did you know, some of you do, Life is a lot better if you know there's inheritance coming. <laughs> you know, some of you know that. Some of you have seen that. Life is a lot better if you know there's an inheritance coming. Life is a lot more doable if you know there's something out there that's better than what's right here. And that's a matter of fact. If you know there's something out there and it's tremendous and it's awesome and it's better than what's right here, then, then life is a lot more doable. You know what that means? The best is ahead. The best is ahead. Y'all thought I wrote this sermon. I didn't write this sermon. God wrote it. He is telling them, he's telling us, the best is ahead. All right, God, to cheer them up, to encourage us, says, let me tell you about that inheritance. You have an inheritance, it's yours, by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about the inheritance. He describes it. Here's what he says. He says, it is imperishable. It is imperishable. It means very simply, it does not perish. Now, here's a way we might understand it. 
it does not have an expiration date. Your inheritance does not have an expiration date. It doesn't expire. Everything they knew could be taken from them. A lot of it they'd already lost. Everything they knew could be taken from them, but not this inheritance. Listen, however tough it was, however tough it is, however tough it might get, their inheritance is imperishable. Then he goes on, and if that weren't enough, he says this, your box, that, that gift, that inheritance, it is undefiled. It is undefiled. It means, literally translates, flawless, perfect, with no defect. You ever get something, now if your spouse or your friend gave it to you, don't look at them. You ever get something that's nice? It's nice, <laughs> but it's not what you expected. You ever get something like that? It's nice, you got to kind of make a face. Thank, thank you for that. It's nice, but it's not what you expected. Well, God cheers them up right here and says this. Life may not be going as you've expected, and some of these things may truly be unwanted, but your inheritance will be more than you can imagine. Your inheritance will be better than you ever dreamed. You won't be let down by your inheritance because it is perfect, undefiled, and flawless. That's what he says of the, of the inheritance. Next he says this, will not fade away. It is a word, it is a phrase, this inheritance will not fade away. It is a word, it is a phrase that says to wither up to wither up. The value of the inheritance is going away. In, in the original language, the picture is a flower that is marvelous, that is beautiful, and it withers up. It dries out. The petals fall off. You ever get something, and I can think of a couple things, and you get it, and it's your pride and joy, and that's the most awesome thing you've ever got. That's, that's tremendous and, and you've wanted that thing, and maybe you saved for that thing, whatever it is, but you know what? It's worth less next year. And in five or six years, you don't even remember what that thing was. In 10 years, you go back, and there's a picture of you with that thing, and you say, I remember that thing. Listen, this inheritance, the value of it, does not fade away. God cheers them up, and he says, these nays may be hard to find beauty in, but your inheritance will not shrivel up. It will not dry out. It will be as glorious as it ever was. It does not fade. Listen, that's our inheritance too. You hear what it's saying? That's our inheritance too. The end of verse 4 says, reserved for you in heaven. You have an inheritance. It is yours. He tells us what it is, these three awesome things. And he says, it is reserved for you in heaven. Now, that's an awesome truth. That's an awesome truth. You have an inheritance reserved for you in heaven. Watch this. The word reserved, here's what we think when we hear reserved. Set aside. Well, you have a, a, an inheritance set aside, reserved for you in heaven. It's like making reservations. 
I have a reservation. There is an inheritance reserved for me. That's what our ears hear. You ever get somewhere and the reservation's been canceled? <laughs> you ever been somewhere and the reservation got mixed up? You ever had that happen? You came and said, well, that's a party of whatever. And we thought it was a party of whatever. And here's the worst. You look over, somebody else is sitting in your reservation. Thankfully, that's not this word. <laughs> Listen to this. This word, reserved in the Greek, in the original language, means guarded over. It is a serious word. Watched over. And so you are born again and you are settled in faith, and you can have a confident expectation that you have an inheritance, and it is right now, listen to me, the inheritance that they had, and for us tonight, the inheritance that we have, it is right now under the guard, under the control, under the watchful eye of the most secure place there is in heaven itself. Friends, take hope. Your inheritance is sure and it is secure. Ooh, what a message. What a message for them. What a message for us. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have an inheritance. And it doesn't fade away. It doesn't, it doesn't trickle out. It is secure. Somebody's not going to steal it away. It is watched over right now in heaven. It is yours. You have an inheritance. It is sure and it is secure. That's awesome. I think it gets better. Why? Why? Let me read verse 5. Verse 4 ends, For you, verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In verse 5, I want you to see the progression. We can take hope, possessing a living hope, because verse 4, listen, the inheritance is guarded, but in verse 5, even better, the heir is protected. Wow. Now, I told you, I, I can't take credit for that. I didn't write this sermon. God wrote it. Listen to that again. We can take hope tonight. We have a living hope because in verse 4, the inheritance is guarded. In verse 5, the heir is protected. You who are protected. The word in the original language means guarded as a military guard. Now, I want you to see this picture. You are protected, the heir, you who have the inheritance, verse 4, you are protected, verse 5. Guarded as a military guard. Now, my favorite part of that word, when it describes it, it says it can be defensive if necessary, but it can be offensive if needed. Now, I want you to see that. You're protected as a military guard, and it could be defensive or it could be offensive. Now, I'm going to add to that for just a second, and then we're going to come back and talk about this. 
It says, by the power of God. You who are protected by the power of God. Power is, is protected in a military fashion. You who are protected by the power of God. The word power is the word dunamis. It means explosive power. It means miraculous power, so powerful you can't explain it. It literally means this, the strength of God. Now, how strong is God? How powerful is God? That's what it means. You are protected in the power, the miraculous power, the strength of God. Now, I want you to think about that. In word meaning, your inheritance is guarded and you are protected. In word meaning, that means the living God of all creation, the all-power-possessing God, in His power will defend you defensively if necessary, and if needed in His power, He will launch off an offensive attack against those that would defend you if necessary. That's what the word meaning says. In the power of God, whatever it's going to take, you are protected. We are protected. It means as a saved person, you are protected in the power of God. Now, what's that talking about? It goes on and it says, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, stay with me. It just keeps getting better. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are saved by faith. Born again, declared the righteousness of Christ by faith. We are sealed for the day of redemption, filled with the Holy Spirit of God when we believe by faith. And just as that is offered, just as that is delivered, and just as that is guarded in the power of God, coming for us just like that present will be a final unveiling, a final unwrapping of our salvation. That's what that verse means. Just as you know you're saved by faith, in that same faith, in the power of God, there's going to be for us a final unveiling unwrapping of our salvation. On that day, listen to me, here's what the Bible says. There will be full joy on that day. There will be full peace, peace forevermore, peace without end on that day. There will be no more sin. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. The former things, whether they were hard things, whether they were tough things, they will have passed away because you were saved by faith in the, in the grace of God and the power of God. Believer, you will stay saved. And you will unwrap the final revelation of our salvation. Listen, you didn't do anything to get saved. There's no work you have to muster up to stay saved. It is in the grace of God, by faith in Jesus, in his power. Let me tell you what that means. Hard times cannot stop it. Hard times cannot stop it. Heartbreak cannot stop it. Ploys of the world cannot stop it. Satan himself cannot stop it. For it is yours in the grace and the power of God.
All of that, listen, that's a whole lot of words to get down to this. All of that to come back and say this. I don't care what's happening in your life. I don't care what's happened in your life. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how good it is right now. I don't care how bad it has become. For believers, the best is still ahead. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why Peter starts off praising the Lord. For believers, the best is still ahead. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, how awesome. How awesome, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. I thank you. Not by my might. Not by my power. Not by my intellect. Not by my righteousness. I have none. But in you, Lord Jesus, we have secure an inheritance that doesn't pass away. A hope that's not corrupted. A hope that is living. And all of that in our living hope, Jesus. Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that 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 has struck a chord with us tonight. I pray, Lord, that has become embedded in our minds tonight, in our hearts tonight. And I pray, Lord, tonight when we're alone, when we're in our beds, and when it's dark, when the hard things come back to mind, that we would understand, Lord, we are secure in you. Praise the Lord. Lord, I pray a couple things. I pray for us as believers that we would would remember that, that we would walk in that. Lord, that we would tell that good news to others that don't know it. Lord, that we would have full joy because of it. And then I pray for those that don't know it, how hard it is to walk outside of Christ, how hard it is to have your hope and a dying hope. Lord, I pray for some that don't know you, maybe in this room, maybe some other way. I pray all the hindrances will be removed. I pray that the gospel, the good news has gone out. And I pray, Lord, that there will be a response so tremendous, so awesome, so so marvelous, so big, so eternal, that it points back to the glory of the one that loves and saves us in great power. Lord, I ask you to move. Move in our hearts, move in our church, move in our town. Lord, move and let it be for your glory. We come tonight again, we just give this to you. And as those folks must have taken hope, I take hope. Lord, I just come and I come in humility and say, I praise you, I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna close with a time of response, a time of invitation. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wanna tell you that's what all this is about. He is our living hope, he is our only hope. If you'll turn to him, He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll restore you, giving you his righteousness, restore you in your relationship with our holy God. He'll save you tonight. If you've never trusted Christ, do it tonight. If that's not a settled fact in your life, settle it tonight. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle it tonight. Settle it tonight. If you'll trust him as your savior, he'll save you tonight. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and, and say, you know what, I want that testimony to stand. I want that testimony to ring out of who I believe Jesus is and who I am in Christ, not as part of our salvation, but as a testimony to it. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well and together we'll serve his name for his glory. Maybe you're here tonight and you're in the midst of tough times.
and you're in situations you never thought you'd be in, you're in unexpected territory. Maybe your response now is to come and say, God, stir in me. Stir in me. Remind me of the hope I have that hasn't changed with life circumstances, however hard they are, but that are established in a living hope, Jesus. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask no one would stir about as we go into this time, truly the most important time. Pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, as we stand and sing, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here.